Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 10. Here's Pastor Ryan. Idols that they worship there in Corinth, Paul tells the Corinthian church, we know that it's nothing. Right? We're not afraid of the boogeyman. Those idols are nothing. I'm not afraid of the boogeyman. You're not afraid of the boogeyman. I ain't afraid of the devil. Don't be afraid of these idols. These idols are nothing. They're nothing. Don't be afraid. I know who I am afraid of. I'm afraid of the one who, after he kills the body, can kill the soul. And that is our God. Stronger is he who is in us than he who is in the world. I don't fear these little pagan, fake gods. And that's what he says in chapter 8. We know that they are nothing. But he says, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. There are brethren in the church that are falling away from the faith. Because it makes them stumble that you're eating this meat that was sacrificed to the idols. You know it's nothing, it's no big deal, but to them, they have a weaker conscience, man. Perhaps they're new believers. They have a weaker conscience. So watch out. Flee from it. He goes on to say here that the, they, they are actually sacrificing to demons. All right? So he's telling them um, to, to be careful. Because the heart of God is that the church be strong. That the church is a place where sinners can be saved from the Lord. Be saved from the life of sexual immorality and the party life. He wants them to be saved from that. And when they come into the church, new believers, he wants the church to be willing and ready to usher them in to the kingdom of God. If you read the old Puritans, if you read the old, the pastors of old, their heart was so focused for the lost because they understood that they were, they were on their way to eternal isolation in darkness where the worm doesn't die, where the, where the thirst is not quenched. They understood I was going there. Now I'm not. Oh, please, Lord, use me so that if anybody comes into the house of God, that we can share the love of Christ with them, that we can share with them that they no longer have to live the life they used to live, but they now can live a new life in Christ, where they're not in bondage to sin and death and all those things. We need to be here in order to care for them. And our prayer should be, please, Lord, I plead you, send those that are lost, send those who need salvation into your house so that I can meet them. Please bring them here. If not, wherever I go, to and fro, bring somebody in my path that I can please bring them to you, Christ. Please bring them to you. And as I was reading one of the Puritans today, he said, you know, this morning in my devotion, he said, "If it's you who does it, Lord. Not me. That's true. But 
God is looking for people who want the things that he wants. And there's nothing more that God wants than for people in Corinth to be saved from that sexual immorality, from that idol worship, from all of that perversion. He wants them saved. So Paul is telling the church, hey, it's nothing. You're right. But it is something. So stay away from it so that we can minister to those that are coming in to the house of God. That's what he's saying here. And he says here that uh, the cup and the blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. That's a beautiful description of what Christianity is. That verse right there. Speaking of communion, when we take the cup of blessing, when we take the bread, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? We, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we become one with Christ. What is Christianity? We're one with them. See, religion doesn't understand that oneness at all. They come in and out of buildings every Sunday. We have a relationship with Christ. Jesus said, those who believe in me, the Father and I will be with him. Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will be given to those who believe in him, that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells a believer. The Bible says that our bodies are now the temple of the living God. We are one with God. We are not alone anymore. So when we wake up out of bed, crusty-eyed or, or refreshed, you have this sense of, I'm not alone. And it ain't because of my wife being here and the kids. You're just not alone anymore. He's in you. He's in you. And he speaks to your heart what he wants you to do for that day. And we pray, thy will be done, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know that there are Christians that wake up without any sense of saying to God, your will be done in my life today? So many are sadly living as if they're the boss of their life. What does Christ tell me? But Ryan, be closer to me. Read my word. Pray. Serve others. Be plugged into a church. Be plugged in. Be a part of the body. You're one with me. That's why he says with their fornicating, he said, don't you know that when you sleep with a harlot, you take the Lord in that bed with you. You're one with Christ. You cannot do that no more. The pornography, the masturbation, the whatever. Forgive me, there's young people here, I think, but you know, it is what it is. This world's nasty. We need to be holy. We need to be pure. Flee sexual immorality. Flee idolatry. The cup, when we take the communion, we're not just remembering the cross and the resurrection and saying, thank you, Lord, but we are remembering that we are not our own anymore. We belong to him. That's Christianity. If you still belong to yourself, if I still belong to myself, am I really walking with him? Am I really, is he really my king? My, or is he just my savior and just, you know, I want to just check the box and live how I want to live. He is so brilliant. He created our brains. 
He sees right through all of that religiosity. What do you want me to do, Lord? I'm not going to hell. What do you want me to do? He who is forgiven much loves much. He who is forgiven little loves little. You say you love me, but you call me Lord, Lord, but not, don't do the things that I ask. You know that the Bible says that rebellion is as witchcraft. Rebellion is as witchcraft, the Bible says. I want to just do what God wants me to do. And he says that we are one with Christ. But then you know what else Christianity is? Is that we're one with each other. It says here that uh, we, though many, are one bread and one body. For we are all for we all partake of that one bread. We, though many, are one bread. And all of my Christianity, 23 years of walking with the Lord, I never, ever, this never clicked with me. I just read right through this before. The body of Christ isn't just the body of Christ. It's also the bread. We are one bread. We are a wacky bunch of toast. We are one bread. Not only are we one with Christ, this is what Christianity is. If anyone asks you, what's Christianity? It means I'm one with Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He lives in me. I'm one with him. Okay? What is church about? Churches, we're one bread. Oh, I thought it was checking the box. I went to church. I checked the box. <laughs> it's all right, dear. We're cool. It, it's happened to me before. <laughs> but anyways, so yeah, you know, it's 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 church is more than just going to church and checking a box. It's family. We're one. One bread. One bread. Raisin bread, Alexander says. It's more than just coming in and leaving. It's how are you? How can I pray for you? Who are you? First time here? Who are you? Who are you? That's when Christianity works, when we do what he says. That's church. Everything else is just not church. There's a bunch of seeker-friendly churches out there, man. Tell you what you want to hear. Shoot, man, we're going to give you the word. The whole New Testament is like, there's so much warning. You get a lot of warning here. The, now, this topic, just so that you don't think I'm picking and choosing, at Calvary Chapel, we don't pick and choose. We, we're expository teachers. We're supposed to be. That we go through the whole Bible, Genesis through Revelation. In Romans 12, it speaks of this, our liberties. In chapter 6, it speaks of our liberties. And again, in chapter, in chapter 10, it speaks again about liberties. Why? Because sometimes our liberties make others stumble. And God's heart is that people aren't made to stumble. You feel me? Yeah, no, maybe so. Kind of. You can stone me afterwards, but I'm a quick runner. <laughs> All right, so... Observe this, right? In verse 18, observe this. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? It's true. Again, he says, look to, look to the Israelites. 
Look to Leviticus. Look to Numbers. Look to Deuteronomy. Look at how they brought the sacrifices during Jesus' time. There was the old system of sacrifices. It was a picture of what Jesus would one day fulfill in order to deal with uh, uh, their sins. Atonement had to be provided for in the form of animals. So they would sacrifice animals. They would give peace offerings, uh, burnt offerings, uh, sin offerings. And the offerer, the person who would bring the animal to the priest, became one with the offering, right? So if it was a sin offering, they would lay their hands on it and the priest would come and just, so I, I doubt they'd say that word, but it's a little of my ego coming out there. Probably be more delicate and they would sacrifice it, but the hands of the offer would be on it. Like they, they were becoming one with the offer. And afterwards, if it was like the peace offering, that offering, they would get a portion of the meat afterwards where the priest ate and so did the offer. And that's what Paul is saying here. Look at them as an example of them becoming one with the offering. And then he said, for a reason, what am I saying then? What are you saying, Paul? That an idol is anything? We, we went over that. We know an idol is nothing. He said that. That an idol is anything or what is offered to idols is anything. Is it a problem? Is it not a problem? Is an idol something or is it nothing? And he says, rather, verse 20, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God, and I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger uh, then he. And that is a tremendous word, guys. He's saying in the other chapters, like an idol's nothing. We know it, right? A curse without, what is it? What's that verse? A curse without, uh, huh? Without cause shall not alight, right? People can curse, you know, people curse people, whatever, in the name of this, in the name of that. None of that, that bounces off a Christian. We don't care. It means nothing. Our God defends us. Those little idols, they're nothing. We're not afraid of the boogeyman. But Paul, Paul says that. That's, that's knowledge. But in the reality, Ryan, they are sacrificing to demons. Every other religion other than Christianity is leading people to hell. Demons are behind it. I know that's not popular. At the college campuses, they'll try to stone you for saying that. But the reality is, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by him. There is no name given under heaven by which man can be saved but the name Christ Jesus. Only through Jesus, and I'm okay with that. I, didn't, I, don't, I don't need the world to be my friends. I would like them to come to repentance and be friends with Jesus, and then friends with me. But we need to speak the truth. There's a worship of demons. Satan is on a rampage with what's going on in the world today. Disney, demonic. Movies, demonic. Pedophilia, everywhere, demonic. Satan worship, demonic. It's everywhere. Pedophilia, everywhere. We're living in those times. And 2,000 years ago, they warned us. They sacrificed to demons. They do. There's a demon at work. 
and his name is Satan. He's at work. He's going to be judged one day for deceiving the entire world. And the Bible says, don't you know that everyone out there, they're deceived? The God of this world has blinded their eyes. And so many Christians still want to be friends with the world. He says, flee from that immorality, the temple effort, the sexual immorality, all of that. Flee it all. It's of the devil. He says in, uh, in the uh, chapter 6 of this book, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Don't be deceived. These things are demonic. And he says to them in verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Hey, all things are permissible, God says, but not all things edify. Not all things build people up. Don't seek what what makes... Don't just seek what you want, but seek the well-being of others. That's the law of Christ. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And yet we as his followers, so many of us are just concerned about the things we want and not concerned with building up the body of Christ and what is best for the body of Christ, right? Jesus's heart as our king and our shepherd is what's best for you, I will do. And as a pastor, I should have the heart that says what's best for you, I will do. And as Christians, we should say, whatever's best for the lost people that come into this house, what's best for them, I will do. And Paul said in Romans uh, 14, 21, he said, it is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine nor do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Listen, all things are permissible. All right, you ain't going to go to hell for drinking. All things are permissible, but do not make your brother stumble. Is it just a drink? As I was praying over this, the Lord gave me a a word. The meat that was offered to idols, is it just that the carne was offered to idols? Right? I will not eat this piece of meat because it was offered to idols. Is that all that the issue is? No. See that meat right there? That came from that temple right there? How many men were able to say that they slept with how many prostitutes at that temple where that meat came from? How many women said they slept with with the the male prostitutes prostitutes or or male on male or whatever it's not the meat it's what it it represented that old life the meat accompanied the sexual immorality 
The meat accompanied that we just rose up to play like they did in the wilderness. That meat accompanied worshiping a false god. That meat accompanied me when I couldn't hear God's voice. When he was trying to save me and I couldn't. That accompanied me. I, I drank, guys, from 14 until I got saved. And if I missed a day, it's because I didn't have money. I mean, I loved everything about alcohol. It accompanied me my entire life before Christ. I, I, I drank to get wasted. I drank to escape. I drank to hook up with girls. I drank to uh, just be righteous and violent and anarchist style. Dude, I was in the punk, in the punk scene early. All over L.A., gigs all over L.A., bad religion, social D, all the, every, every punk band in the early, when did I grow up? 90s? Shoot, man. Exploited, TSOL, this just all punk scene. Then from that, I went from that to gangster rap because it came out my generation from a gang, violent. And in where I, where I was from, the more violent you were, the more down you were, you proved yourself in front of men, when the, especially when the odds were against you. And there was more of them. You proved yourself. Your status rose. And when your status rises, everyone wants to be your friend. Now, it's sin and it's wicked and it's evil, but that was the life I lived. And with that came the spoils of that life. Alcohol was with me the whole time. The whole time, whether I was just drinking it for the taste, enjoying it with my steak or a barbecue, not doing anything bad, just chilling that. Yeah, I, I, all aspects of alcohol I had, from shotgunning beers to all of it. It's all part of that life. So when I got saved and I thought I can hold on to it still, when I took a drink of it with the Holy Spirit in me, it tasted like beer, but it also tasted like sexual immorality. It tasted like it, like the violence I used to be a part. It changed my countenance. And I saw people that were lost looking at me who I had shared with them that I'm a Christian now. They looked at me with, with a sense of like something was wrong with me. And they, the, their look towards me was like, there's something wrong with you. And I thought, there can't be something wrong with me. I'm born again. And they're not. But they know that's who I used to be. When we were hooking up, when we were violent, when we were all those things. And the Lord said to me, if you want to win people, you can't do that anymore. Because the world's, sometimes the world is less ignorant of Satan's devices than the churches. Satan wants us to be buzzing. That's why Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking who he may devour. Can you imagine what a lion does when he gets a hold of a person when he's hungry and needs to eat? Shreds them. So Peter says, be sober. Because why? It reminds us of the old life. You know what would have happened had I stayed in that life? 
I wouldn't know my precious wife. I wouldn't have my precious children. I wouldn't have this precious ministry. I wouldn't have anything. So why in the heck am I going to go near that? That, Yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, it's permissible. But I'm not living for what's permissible. I'm, a, I'm living for what is needed. And if he saved me from that life, how can I save someone from that life? Imagine getting a new believer in here. What are they going to ask? What can I do? What can I do? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? We're going to have a new believers class coming up. We'll add that. Stay away from it. Be sober now. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 4. 1. He says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.